1: And now, your it's host, Sean,
2: through. X-Pac, welcome. Welcome to X-Pac, 1, 2, three, 60, everyone.
1: There
2: it is. <laughs> it's a great day. How are you guys doing?
3: Good. There's lots of news to talk about, so I'm super yeah. excited to get into our conversation and our guest for later today.
2: Oh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to be joined by my friend, MVP, and uh, and he was a guest on the show it's been quite a while now uh, but we you know we've deep dived into his his story like on you know on another episode but we're we're going to catch up and we're going to talk about his TED talk because it's great and uh and it's really timely like i mean that's yeah. you know for for what's going on today and, and you know um you know he talks about you know when do i stop being a criminal uh you know he's, he served like 9 you know 9 years and I, I You know, something like armed robber. I I can't remember exactly what he went went down for, but it was, you know, it was like armed robbery. I mean, it was, you know, uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, he's still sweeping up after himself, you know, many, many, many years later as far as, you know, and, and, you know, he'll tell you, like, you know, Mm. trying to to even get a, a, you know, housing. You know, and it's but I mean, you know, forget about trying to get a decent job as a as a convicted felon. So, um, yeah. So we're gonna he's gonna talk about that, and you know, we're gonna catch up on what's going on with him, you know, and wrestling because I see him at shows and stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. So um, I don't know. How's your guys' weekend?
3: It was good. We I had a lot of work. I had a show Friday, Saturday, yes. and Sunday, two shows. Friday that. and Saturday with EWF, and then Sunday we did uh, we did a Mass Republic and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Did a show at Madame Tussauds, yes. Which I just learned how to say that correctly. Yeah. I was saying it wrong my whole entire life, mm. and it was really cool. It was a fun experience, you know, in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard with all these tourists yeah. passing by, and they're like, "What the heck's going on there?" But it was a fun way to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, and now I'm sunburned.
2: So yeah, like I'm sure there were some pissed off people that like were mad because the streets were blocked off streets No, they blocked off. were blocked
3: off no Just it wasn't normal in the middle Hollywood traffic it was you know where the, it was like in this like courtyard in between so where that ten dollar oh, boutique yeah. is at and the Wax Museum, there's, like, a space in the middle oh, okay. where people are usually just, like, hanging yeah. out and stuff. So yeah. it was literally right there. And it was funny because they had the oh, entrance. shows
2: oh. that's right. That's on the Tussauds, north, yeah. that's on the north Across side. Across from Atalbaton. It's on the north side of Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, it's, I get it mixed up with Ripley's. Or, Ripley's is on the other yeah, side. Yeah, the yeah. Ripley's, you would have yeah. had to
0: close the street. I, yeah. I, I was I was also there because that's my neighborhood. They didn't close anything. Okay, like, great. The Starbucks was 10 feet from the ring, and you could walk into the Starbucks. Uh-huh. And sit in the Starbucks and watch wrestling.
3: My favorite part was the entrance, though, because it was like... Three flights of stairs. The guys had to walk through. I walked through those stairs twice. By the time I got up there, I was like, "I don't even know what I'm up here for. What am I doing? I can't even breathe anymore." But so it was, it was a fun. Good,
2: Was it a good fit? Like the you know Madame Tussauds and uh, yeah, Lucha Libre?
3: It was. It really was because you know they promote so much of like this unique pop culture stuff that they have inside yeah. their room. You know, from everything they have like Marvel, they have pop anything pop culture. Yeah. Is in there, so I feel like it was a pretty good mix. Mm. And yes, they seemed pretty. Yeah, funny. I
2: saw that. I saw some of the stuff you posted, and you know, uh who they have on the show.
3: Uh Well, they had Puma King, they had Hoovy, and then the rest were Championship Wrestling from Hollywood stars. Okay. Yeah, so All it was right. pretty fun.
0: Then they uh, shot an angle with David Arquette. Oh Peter
3: yeah, yeah, uh, towards the end.
0: Okay. So I, and I, I was just joking. Like, imagine just visiting Hollywood today and walking by Hollywood Boulevard and seeing a wrestling ring with David Arquette. Just working an angle with dressed someone. Justin,
3: what do you call those suits? Those Renaissance Um He was suit dressed Joker's? as a jester. He was jester. claiming there he came go.
0: straight from the Renaissance fair.
2: Is there a Renaissance fair going there on? There is somewhere? a Renaissance fair
0: going on. <laughs> get in. the fuck out! Where? I'll, I'll send you the link. Get I'll invite you. Here. Well, I've been meaning to get to the Renaissance fair. Wow, it's. I think it started. I'm Easter a weekends. fan
2: of that kind of <laughs> shit. You know, although, like, you know, the one thing though. It is like and it looks so great when you see people at the Renaissance <laughs> Renaissance Fair eating those big ass fucking turkey drummies. But then when you actually eat one, it's not that tasty. Yeah. Not to me anyways. That's it's like goddamn, this thing's fucking dry and you know, and it looks great and it looks like, oh my god, I can't wait to eat it and then it's like, eh.
3: Have you tried the bacon wrapped ones like at the I Alley mean, County Fair? Help. Oh, those are good. Those are not bad, but you they're know. like twenty dollars. <laughs>
2: just okay. for the turkey
3: leg with the bacon yeah. wrap.
2: Yeah, eh? so, yeah, that's my fucking gripe about the Renaissance Festival.
0: Or like, or, or theme park <laughs> turkey legs. I, um, My thought was always theme park turkey legs tasted more like ham than anything else.
3: Well, I heard that well, I heard that in Disney that they're not really turkey. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that it's emu. Emu. What's what's the animal? Emu. Emu. emu probably emu. Emo. Yeah. And I was like, well, that explains why I didn't like it. <laughs> um,
2: well, it's just that emu and an ostrich, which are like pretty much is w- a smaller ostrich kind of. Um, they're really good meat, a lot of protein. Like the problem is, is there's very little fat, and the fat is what gives you the, the flavor. Mm-hmm. You That's know. True. Yeah, but oh yeah, actually there. Yeah. I was about to tell you the story about these ostrich protein sticks. Uh, anyways, I get on these fucking rants and I get veer off into the bushes or the weeds or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And, I think I think know, this
0: is still fascinating and fun. Oh, Jesus But we Christ. should probably get into the news.
2: Yeah, but I can't even remember. I was it, oh yeah oh no I went to um, so anyways I some people might know the band Skid Row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well their are lead singers well, he hadn't been their lead singer in a minute. But he you know, anyways. Sebastian Bach Yes. Anyways like we I used to go, um used to live up here on the hills in Studio City and and he moved about a year ago. Um out like mm-hmm. pat you know, like in Venture toward Venture and all that and so I hadn't seen him in a while. Now we went there this weekend, my girlfriend and I, we went out, they had a vinyl listening party and uh, anyways, I don't know. I thought I would no, share all that with you. Maybe I'm just name-dropping. <laughs> um, anyways, we're not there. You know, uh, they I met First time I met Sebastian, he brought his son to his son Paris. He's a big wrestling fan. Uh, to um, Newark, to Meadowlands, for one of the Raws we did. So, anyways... Yeah. Again, like in, interesting info to me, probably only. Um. I think
3: that. I, know. I think you're underselling <laughs> it a little. I think it's pretty interesting because, like, I I don't think I've ever asked you like, what do you do during the weekends for fun? Not so much. So to get the idea, like, what you do for fun for weekends, it's pretty interesting. Like, yeah. that, I feel a few weeks ago, I saw on your Instagram that you were at the Broad Museum, and I was like, oh wow, Sean went to the Broad Museum. That's yes, interesting. Fun fact. Yes, <laughs> for the
2: like for the the like nation black. It's like yeah, it was a I big, saw
3: that.
2: Yeah, it was all black art, black black artists, and it was, it was the quite one nation. I, f- yes. I forgot about the rest of it,
3: but yeah, I yeah. know what
2: you're talking about. Yeah, I saw TK Trinidad there. That few, yeah, yeah, she used to be on the you know for everybody that's been you know watching the show for a long time. She used to be sitting up here at the table. Now she's on Weekly Women's Wrestling. Women's Pro Wrestling Weekly. Yeah, and they, she does a great job over there, but um, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't do that much anymore, and like, oh, but tonight, um, after this, I gotta go pick up my suit, and there's a, gotta go downtown for this, like, event, um, my girlfriend is on the board of directors of this thing called Unusual Suspects, oh, fuck, I hope I got that right. And, and what it is, is, is like, you know, kids from, you know, areas that, you know, they don't have much money, you know, like, at all, and, uh, um actors go and they and they don't they volunteer their time and they teach them you know you know they acting and yeah. they pro- help them produce plays so it's like and, a
3: theater company yeah it's okay. a th-
2: and they also f- kids that are in like you know and juvenile jail mm-hmm. like awesome. they work with these kids too you know so um trying to you know, do what i can i'm going to do something i'm going to maybe have a meet and greet or or something along those lines to raise some money for them. So um, it's a very worthy cause. Dope. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah.
3: really
2: cool. I've been to a couple of their uh, events, and they like they have no idea I was there. Because, like, you know, I go, like, no bandana on, no, uh, you know, nothing that, you know, says, hey, I'm X-Pac. <laughs> Even if I did, like, maybe half of them wouldn't know who the fuck I was anyways, just because, you know, generations, you know, Mm. but, um, yeah, no, I just go, I just go there and it's nice to see these kids, uh, um, you know, and and their parents, so fucking proud of them, like, sitting in the the crowd and just, and watching them, and and I know because I'm a parent, you know, and you see your kids doing cool shit and it's the fucking best thing in the world. And just watching these kids, these parents like and you know half of them like like honestly like, half of the parents like don't even speak English, and like their parents are or and the kids are you know like some of them English is a second language, or some of them not, mm-hmm. but you know um I just dig the fuck out of it, and it's really worth my time. Like And so I just thought I'd talk about it for a oh, second. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, that's cool because, you know, they say about kids, um, you know, you don't know how important a little tiny thing that may not be a big deal to you or me or to anyone in this room, but to a child, it could really make the difference between, yes. like, what you do with your life for, like, the yeah. next few years. So it's really interesting. And I, I, it's interesting because I know this because my mom's a teacher in South Central L.A. where, you know, a this lot of kids come. <laughs> exactly. Where a yeah. lot of these kids, they... They're. This is their first time coming. They're in these English classes, but they only speak Spanish. So all of this stuff is like very like yeah. these things are. They make a big deal about them. Yeah, it's cool. so
2: that's why it's so fucking cool to go do this. And like I'm honestly like, you know, any little part I could play and helping, I'm I'm grateful to be able to do it. So
0: all right. Oh, yeah. Also, the WWE Network spans generations that I think you're a little more known than you you would you would realize.
2: Eh. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about it when well, it comes yeah, to that. <laughs> unless I can do, unless it helps them make some money, I can, sure. I'm not worried. My ego doesn't uh, demand it. So, yeah. What else? What's going on? And you all know. right.
3: Well, let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's talk with the biggest news that has recently came out. So, in the past, we've talked about the XFL, but just now, do we have some groundbreaking new news about it? So, the XFL is now going to be on ESPN on ESPN and Fox sports will be sharing the broadcast wow. rights for the entire regular season. That is huge. Plus playoff games will be shown on ABC Fox ESPN, ESPN two and FS one. So pretty much every major sports network. So a little bit of the reason why this is very interesting is because of the specifics of this de- of the, the details of this contracts and everything. So this is a three season contract with each of these networks. And basically what it is, is they're the networks themselves are going to be playing the Paying the production costs. So Vince himself won't have to pay for the production costs. However, these networks will be getting the ad revenues in order to obviously make up the money that they've been spending on the production costs. Yes. The money that Vince gets is going to be from tickets, merchandising, and in house sponsors. So, like sponsors that he gets in the stadiums Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's a very interesting thing because, you know, it can be very, it's a very good way to get started, I think. But what are your thoughts?
2: I just you know, um, it, it's Vince's second time around with this, mm-hmm. and you know Vince is a type of guy that um, it doesn't take it takes him one time to learn a lesson, you know, and uh, so uh, yeah, it just this is they, they've taken their time with this, mm-hmm. right? Like since since the so when do you remember when they announced that the Accept All was coming back? It's been at least a year, mm-hmm. right?
0: So, like, maybe longer, actually. I think it was this time last year where he had that press conference.
2: Okay. So, yeah, that makes, that sounds about right. But what I'm saying is it wasn't like, okay, the big rush to, I mean, even this, like, it, it took him a year, like a year, however fucking long for, um, for them to even just announce this part, right? And so, when is the first game?
3: It is February eighth, twenty twenty, is the kickoff game, and then April twenty sixth, twenty twenty, is the championship game. There is uh, forty three games. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, yeah, it just seems like they've they're taking their time, and uh, um, unlike what would they call that other thing that is, is here and gone already? AAF.
3: AAF. Yeah. They had money issues from the start.
2: Yeah, from the start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they still like they shouldn't never even you know open doors actually. But and I know they tried to get you know a merger. Yeah. With with XFL and XFL was like yeah.
0: Well, they didn't see any. They didn't see any value because I think what Vince McMahon brings to the table is a live event schedule and monetizing live events well, and, they- and giant talent pools. And then what ESPN, Fox, ABC, and the like bring to the table is we will give you a national platform. So for them to not, for them to just make a rights fee on the national platform and then be able to sell tickets, they'll they'll do fine. I just thought it was interesting
2: that like the AAF was headed by what, one of the Ebersol's. Was it Charlie Ebersol? That feels right. Yeah. So well, you have a computer though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> with the Google no, I just- I've got Charlie Ebersoll on my end, just so you guys know. So
0: that yeah. was right, Sean. Yeah. AF CEO Charlie Ebersoll. Yeah,
2: and so Dick Ebersoll was the guy that was, you know, in so tight with Vince mm-hmm. and I think was part of the original XFL. Yep. And uh, um you know, and also Dick Ebersaw was a huge part of Saturday night main event. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, no. I was just that was an interesting thing for me that that you know an abersaw was a part of something that was trying to go, you know, basically yeah. trying to cut Vince off at the pass
0: or compete. And like there have always been people trying to create other football leagues, and the XFL was the first one To ever gained national traction. Yeah. No, would, no, USFL. Or, well, the U. Yes, and
2: USFL had some had a, a limited amount of success, depending on what like where I was in Tampa. It did well, mm. and we were the champs. And Tampa, well, mainly because our other option was NFL team, which was the Tampa Bay Bucks, who were Mm. the fucking drizzling shit. (laughs) Like they were the worst team. And when I was a kid, like we had no teams. That wrestling was big in Florida because we had shit for fucking (laughs) sports teams. So uh, yeah, Tampa Bay in their orange and white. Oh God, those orange uniforms. Yep. Uh, owned by, and there was this owner named Hugh Culverhouse. Anyways,
0: I, I digress. Um, speaking of the Ebersols, uh NBC, part part of my post of the um, XFL is that I think it going prime time on Saturday night as the very first season, the very first time it's ever been broadcast was really its own death knell. Yeah aside from aside from all the other problems you'll have from starting a football league, the fact that it was so primetime so soon, I think is what actually killed it that if it were just on the CW or Warner Brothers or UPN would have been the network then if it were just on UPN on Saturday afternoons for a whole season, I think the XFL may have actually survived hmm. but I, so this this year where they laid out an entire season is prob is really really strong.
2: I wonder how the games are going to be though. No, uh, I, you know i mean that's a thing like i mean you don't want to watch shitty football so hopefully it's not that
3: well, is i think that's going to be the I, thing don't know that much, like, I don't not know wanting,
0: much about it either And
2: i bear and, and i'll be honest with you like i have a huge amount of respect for football and football players i know a ton of them and you know um and they love wrestling and, and like, like i said a huge amount of respect i just don't know enough I'm not an expert on football to go, like, hey, oh my God. But, you know, you do know, like, an action back game versus, like, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know much about like that. Like last sp- year's Super Bowl. I don't know much Ooh. about that talent pool to know how many people, how many talented football players, how many talented football players are there in college that don't go to the NFL? I... I have anecdotal evidence uh, to feel there's enough to fund another league, but the XFL was the I, example.
2: I think we're talking too much about fucking football Fair. on the wrestling podcast.
3: <laughs> well, I just have one more question okay. then really quick is do you think that this is gonna split Vince's focus? Do you think he's gonna sort of step away a little bit from wrestling or just still be as like, you know, micromanaging as he has I, been in the past. Or- I
2: just see him things status quo. Mm. He yeah, he he's gonna keep his Finger on the pulse, or however you want to put it. He's going to keep a hands-on approach. That's how I, that's, I mean, I I don't see that changing.
0: Nope. So to him, this is just a third brand. Yep. Third brand he manages. On yeah, Vince somehow this. he
2: has, like, an unlimited amount of bandwidth or something, <laughs> so I don't know how the fuck he does that. So All right.
3: All right, well, moving on to maybe a more controversial topic I guess you can say is Leo Rush has been ruffling some feathers I per se mm. with some comments that have been made on the internet from different things from talking about whether or not a black man should be carrying briefcases or serving mm. water bottles to some of the, to the legends in the company and he also talks about not making enough money on the road with WWE to cover his expenses and obviously lots of people have weighed in on this because this is definitely not something that's I guess easy to talk about
2: it's not you know especially when you know somebody starts you know talking about you know not being a yeah good look for a black guy to carry somebody's water or whatever like I, I'm look yeah it's a touchy subject especially for somebody that's not black to weigh in on so like I'm going to defer to Mark Henry on this and say I, I kind of agree with Mark on, on all this
3: for, for those who don't know, Mark Henry basically offered yeah. his help to Leo Rush. Apparently, Leo Rush told him everything was cool and essentially lied to him. And then Mark Henry also said something along the lines of, basically, he just tried helping him. And he told when it came to the money, he basically blamed him for not being able to manage his spending well enough and not to blame the office for his shortcomings. That's true. Look,
2: hey, a, a lot of people make are making that same amount of money and doing fine. Or not doing fine, but you know, uh, getting by, not getting rich. But like when you first come to the company, mm-hmm. like it takes a while to start making.
0: Also, and I think he know? sees. I think because the numbers. That and are he being- turned down a three hundred thousand uh, dollar
2: downside. That's like minimum you, you'll make. Three hundred k is a minimum, you know. And jeez, um, I don't know like what the deals are there right now. So I don't want to. I don't want to like
0: jump out and say oh that's you know Forbes Forbes released a list that had been confirmed by a couple other folks that had m- the average salary just a little over 100,000. The average salary of a not top level person just over 100,000. Which
2: if feels you're, okay, right. see here's the thing, like if you're having to pay exp- it depends it depends on 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 the deal. If you're getting uh, 100 grand but you have to pay your own rental cars and all that, that's a motherfucker.
0: Oh yeah. But so. if I were if I were Leo Rush, I would in my first year I would see that as a smaller return on my first year over top a five well, year over top a five year. Net. See,
2: here's the thing, and it's some somebody said something to Chris Jericho in in a tweet, and Chris like just I don't pull it up. Do Chris you guys Jericho know Leo Rush? Yeah, and and because somebody was like, if I don't like, well, if I was a big star in w, and and Jericho, find it, please. So um
3: I think that either way because when I first heard this story, so I didn't first read this part about the financial issues. Yeah. I, I, I was told the story and I thought to myself, Wow, can that be true? Because that doesn't that's it's just whether look, or not it's true, the fact that he's saying it, yeah, it doesn't look good. It's
2: not it's yeah, that's not how you that's not how you handle it. Like and there and he might have some legitimate gripes and and also he might be conflating certain things mm-hmm. with other things that shouldn't be conflated. Um
3: um Steve has the tweet. Yeah. Oh, do
0: you? Yeah. yeah. Key statement. It. Key statement. There is if I was well, a big, read the whole. Well, oh, you, uh, the he or the fan Isaac Sandu deleted the tweet, so I don't have. I don't have the initial tweet.
2: Yeah, but it but, says on there what he said. Yeah.
0: Key statement here is if I was a big star in the WWE, you're not, so you don't. So you you don't know the respect and dedication you need to make it in the WWE. I never once made a young guy carry my bags, but I was him respect every day. To disrespect the vets in any way is taboo in our business.
2: Yeah. And so look, um when I first started in WWE, no one told me you know, some, you know, certain people that like um you know, they might have said, "Hey, maybe it might be like you know, nice if you you know, Uncle Fuji might need some help. You know, Mr. Yeah, Fuji yeah. could hardly walk. Fuck, I had no problem. I carried his bags everywhere I could when I first got there. You know, and even some people would laugh about it. And they would, like, make, you know. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, like, and and uh, and even to this day. And I didn't realize, like, when I came back from doing something in NXT, like, somebody handed me waters. and You know, I do that for people. Yeah. You it's like know? common and decency. Yeah, it's nothing to do with oh like it's a bad look. It's like hey, you're fucking paying dues and you're not the only you're not the only black guy uh coming up that uh, that does this you're not the only black yeah. guy his, on the roster. His argument that has done is that.
0: his argument is only optics. I would I would be yeah. on his side if let's say a similar let's say a similar person in a similar situation that just wasn't his race didn't have to do that. That's not the case. Everyone, I don't want to say expected, but like, no one is forced, but everyone's kind of expected to show that level of respect. Yeah, and it says a lot. Says a lot that he isn't. I think he has a legitimate gripe about merchandise because a lot of the stuff he improvises winds up being Bobby Lashley's. Let me tell you.
2: Let me tell you how you want how you can make sure you don't get things taken care of is by going and blurting (laughs) it out to a website in a fucking interview. Like that's not that's not going to to uh, yield good results at all. That's too bad. And like I think the guy, he's a good guy. Like Leo. I mean, I've been I, I teamed with him one time mm-hmm. and, and uh my uh, Maryland championship wrestling, and he was great. And it was a pleasure to be around. And he still is. It just I think he's probably. I hope actually like some point down the line he's going to go god damn I had my head up my ass at one point and I cost myself mm-hmm. you know
0: I hope that for him too and it may sound like everyone's kind of dunking on him or making yeah. fun of them, but in reality people are tr- genuinely trying to help yeah. him nobody wants to put him down right now like everyone in this business really wants like very talented like I
2: think he, he added a lot to the Bobby Lashley uh, recipe and um and look, okay, this is something Kurt Henning told me when I first got there. He's like, look, if you don't make a dime here, the publicity and exposure is priceless. Mm-hmm. So like, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I like, it just no, I'm, It's not honestly like, only hurting yourself. Only hurting yourself. And he sees that as people trying to no shut down. no one needs anybody. There's no one. I want to move on to the next thing. I didn't want to even talk about this so much.
3: But that one saying that says it's not what you make, it's what you save. I always, that always sticks in my head. But moving on, guys. So earlier we were talking about, you know, about network deals and all of that stuff. Well, we have some more information. So last night on Raw, Vince McMahon implemented the wild card rule, basically saying it started off with three guys from three talents from Raw and SmackDown can sort of interchange w- when at uh, certain different times. But now it moved on to four, and now it's on to, what did you say, a, a lim- limited According to
0: now. WWE.com, it is a limited number of superstars from Raw or SmackDown will be invited to cross brand lines for one-night-only appearances.
3: So the reason why, or we can speculate, the reason behind this is because both Fox and USA Network want WWE to no longer have the brand splits. They want to have talent on both both rosters, the same talent. Mm. And I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on this?
0: I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I don't blame Fox for feeling this way at all. At all. But We, we all kind of felt this was coming. Yeah. And especially like if one person ends up on
2: the Raw brand, and like it's like okay, I'm just going to use um, Ronda Rousey for instance, mm-hmm. and then Fox is like, well, we want Ronda on our show, you know, or mm-hmm. John Cena or whoever the fuck. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah,
0: and it's not like storyline wise they've been treating SmackDown as equal. Like, there's literally two years worth of scoreboards every November to point to where it doesn't seem. And I think the timing of this Fox deal is such is that by this next November, Smackdown could lose a third like it's almost swept a third time at Survivor Series and that's a good mechanism to be like one brand. Yeah.
3: Plus, also the whole, with ratings going down, I know a lot of, there's this argument that some people think that ratings don't matter, but then there's other people which I agree that ratings do matter, that even though they're getting this chunk of money, you still got to worry about ratings, because you got to worry about the future. That's the way I personally see it. I don't think that we should discount ratings in general, because ratings are there for a reason. So, for me personally, it's kind of like, okay, we got to find a way to that, you know, the ratings go up that way when this deal runs out, that they're not like, okay, guys, Pass because we're not yeah. getting the same amount, you know, of ratings that you guys were at the top of this when we first started this deal.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I look. There are other there are other like ways of measuring. Metrics, you know. yeah. Oh for fuck's sakes. Sorry everyone.
0: I don't even know who the fuck that is. <laughs> oh. It's like, who there, are you calling but, my phone?
3: Probably a telemarketer.
0: But Ugh. there are other metrics that WWE can use to decide what's successful and isn't. Yeah. But the metric, their network, the people paying them up front, the metric they they're see, using yeah, is ratings. And, and,
2: and I think they'll get, it, they'll get it figured out.
0: Yeah. They'll get it figured out. They uh, have all the motivation they yeah. need to get it figured out. So... Yeah. All
2: right. And real quick on Brock, so yeah. you got Brock Lesnar. You yeah. want to talk about our
3: last thing that we have to talk about before we yeah. move on is Brock Lesnar has apparently officially retired from USC, which means that we're not going to be seeing Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier, and I'm pretty sad about yeah. that.
2: Yeah. But here's here's what I hear about that, and it sounds right because I know how Brock, Brock is, and, and like he wanted a flat guarantee. He wanted mm-hmm. a guarantee, not like points, you know, on the pay per view buy rate, you know, because. You know, okay, well, you get a guarantee You know what you're getting And uh, and you don't have to Have faith in, in UFC's account- accounting You know
0: UFC's accounting but also Them putting a bit more on your back to actually draw the show If you're Brock Lesnar You're already the attraction By saying, oh, well, we're going to yeah, put points like, We're going to put points against the guarantee It's so, like, well, I'm Brock Lesnar, yeah, why do you need that? So,
2: what I hear is like They didn't want to do that And so he's like, okay, fine I quit. Or yeah. I, I'm retiring. Which, and hey, that he's his, he's his own man. Like he, you know, he knows what he wants. And uh, I, you know, I bet you, I'm going. I have a hard time thinking that Bellator won't uh, make some kind of overture towards him. Same. Uh, and and be happy to offer him guaranteed money if that's if that he, if he still wants to have a fight. And they have guys there he can fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bellator has some guys there he can fight. Uh, and they'll draw some money. I, I have to Google where Frank Mir is. Um, Frank's
0: Frank Mir. Then Frank, Frank Mir is yeah. the built-in rematch, the built-in so, rubber between yeah. the two of them. Anyways,
2: uh, Brock, you know, c- c- good luck to him. Whatever yeah. he wants to do. There's also the
0: second time he's retired from so, MMA, so yeah. that like
2: yep. it's official till it's uh, not official. So we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back with MVP. Welcome back to XPOC One Two Three Sixty, everyone. Joining us over the phone right now. He was an intercontinental champion. He was the first, I believe, that I'm correct when I say this, the first New Japan Pro Wrestling intercontinental champion. Uh, uh, he's a great man, and uh, he uh, he has a TED Talk out right now called
0: When Do I Stop, when Being, do Being, do a I stop
2: Being a Criminal? It's a very powerful talk, and, um, and he's a friend of mine. MVP, everyone. Hey, man. Hey, Sean.
1: Sean, I want all of my accolades, man. I, I <laughs> was, man like, <laughs> the Count Monte Cristo, the King Champion of Sting, WWE, da, da, da. <laughs> one of the longest reigning U.S. champions of all time, the first IWGP Intercontinental Champion, and the first time Matt Hardy won the tag team titles with anybody other than Jeff, it was yours, truly. All right. So give me all of mine. All right. Man. I want all of mine. There must
2: be and, and
0: all and all of mine are are, are, are trivia questions too, see? Mm, nice. Wrestling
2: Observer Newsletter <laughs> most underrated two thousand most
0: underrated two thousand
2: eight. Hey man, so how Yeah, are, yeah.
0: Hey so, uh, what's up, man?
2: How are things, man? What like how tell me about hey, tell me about the the uh feedback you are getting from the Ted Talk. Let's get into that real quick.
1: Man, it's uh I, I've had nothing but phenomenal feedback um at one of there's a show that I listen to on Sirius XM, the POTUS channel, Michael Smirconish.
2: Smurkanish, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, Smurkanish. I'm a yeah. big fan. I like the way he just calls it down the middle, no partisan BS. You know, just you know, facts and 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 so forth and so on. And uh, he had me on his uh, his radio show, and we talked about the the topic of my TED talk.
2: It's very and, um, timely right now. He invited me
1: to come on to his Saturday morning show on CNN. Nice. Right. Uh, there's an issue right now, uh, particularly, and the reason that Smirkanish invited me on his show, is Bernie Sanders recently came out and said that he feels that all people should have the right to vote. All citizens should have the right to vote, even people that are in prison. Yeah. And that was real controversial. My TED Talk was about convicted felons who have served their time, but are still legally discriminated against. And I talked about an issue that I had personally, you know, being MVP, somebody who's known to millions of people around the world. I spent nine and a half years in prison for robbery that I committed when I was 16 years old. And when I got out, I did everything I could to redeem myself socially. I became a WWE superstar. I spent lots of time um, going to prisons and juvenile detention centers to, to spread the message and try to be a positive role model. Yet when I sold my house recently, and tried to rent a house while I was deciding what I wanted to do, I had three lease applications denied back to back because I was a convicted felon. So all of these things that I've done socially to try to you know show the world that I'm a better person and improve the world that I live in, I still wear the scarlet yeah. letter of being a convicted felon. So the question is, as far as our society is concerned, You get convicted of a crime, you go to prison, you serve your time, and that's supposed to pay your debt to society. That's bullshit. But as you very well know, you carry that, it's a life sentence. Yeah. You serve that forever.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, And even like, you know, even when they have a referendum a you know the citizens of a state vote to give felons their voting rights back you know the politicians will still try to thwart that like they're doing in florida not, right and i'm not trying to get into polit- politics on here because i don't really I don't weigh know. in on politics anymore uh but but this is a thing that uh this is to me this is bipartisan i have a i have a, I have a brother-in-law um that that is going, you know, has issues with with this. Like he's a great man and he's a great father and 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 uh, husband. And he, um, you know, uh, beat somebody up one time. You know, uh, and ended up, you know, because if if you don't have money for a lawyer or whatever, you know. A good lawyer. Anyways, I don't want to get off into that. Like, sorry. Well,
1: I, I, no, no, there, there's a point to that because all of this comes together. Yeah. You know, the, the cash bail system. Yes. Our, 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 our justice system is, is supposed to be founded on, on the idea that you're innocent until proven guilty. So if you're arrested for a crime, you get sent to jail. You have to post bond to get out. Yeah. And if you can't afford to post that cash bail, then you have to sit in jail until your case comes to a conclusion, so if you're innocent, you're you're not allowed, you can't go to work. you can't, you know you don't have access to money to provide a defense yep. for yourself, so forth and so on. So the criminal justice system all the way around needs reform. Um, there's an issue with prosecutors. The Supreme Court some time ago gave prosecutors absolute immunity, more so than police. So you have a problem with prosecutors who are more concerned with winning. Than seeking justice. Now, yes. I'm not saying all of them, but it is a problem. If you look into it, you'll see where prosecutors intentionally withheld exculpatory evidence yeah. so as to get a win. So not just you know being a convicted felon, but all of the aspects of the justice system and the the, the prison system. It needs an overhaul desperately. And you're you're right; it should be bipartisan, but we have a problem with politics creeping into everything. Yeah. every little thing, you know. So. You would think that people would say, hey, like, here's my take on it. As far as voting is concerned, I don't believe that anyone should lose their right to participate in the democratic process. Right. If you go to jail or if you go to prison, you've lost your right to participate in society. So, OK, cool. You can't vote while you're locked up. I don't believe that you know, we should make polls, you know, voting booths available to, to prisoners. Well, hey, But P- and, when and, you
2: get and, out, hey, you and, can be and, able to vote. In Maine and Vermont, they vote while they're in jail.
1: Now, see, I'll tell you why I have a little problem with that. And and when I break this down, you'll understand. So we're thinking about voting on a national level, being able to vote. you know. But all politics are local. So if you think about it, some of the prisons that I've been to and some of the prisons that exist have a larger prison population than the population of the closest city or county that they're in. Oh, wow. So... So potentially, you could have inmates in a prison voting for city council in a city that they don't even live in. Wow! They, they, yeah. you know, they, they reside there in that county, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, while they're locked up. Yeah. So they could, uh, they could affect local politics that don't really affect them at all. So I, 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 you know, there's lots of facets to this, but ultimately, I just think that if you are a convicted felon, you shouldn't lose your right to vote if you go to jail. Okay, you're in jail and you can't go to the polls, but when you get out, absolutely you can vote. That's yeah. my take on it.
2: And what about like any of the stuff? What do what they call that thing? The first the first step or the you know that the thing? Oh that-
1: yeah, right. Um, like I said, you know, I, I think it's my opinion that that's more about optics yeah. than about practicality you know hey let's make it look like we're doing something uh to for for criminal justice reform and you know and there are some aspects to it that that are pretty cool but for the most part i mean let's let's look at it like this we live in a country where for-profit prisons are 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 illegal it's something that that and to me that's a tragedy that's crazy man you you have prisons that have a contract with the government that they must operate at a 99% capacity, <laughs>
2: yeah. and
1: if, and if, and if, the, if the, the government doesn't keep them full at that rate, then they violate the contract and there's some sort of financial penalty. Yeah. So the, it's a business locking people up. The United States has what? 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prison population? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's depressing, man. Honestly, I it, it, can, it can really like make it's oh fuck. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, let me, just, let me just let me say this because yeah, it is depressing. But I think the problem is, as a society, we write off prisoners. We think you know oh, yes. well, you know the prisoners are are, are are worthless. So we dehumanize them. <clears throat> you know, like when Bernie Sanders made that comment about prisoners having the right to vote. Politicians, of course, jumped on it and said, "Oh, Bernie Sanders says that terrorists and murderers and rapists should have the right to vote," and that's how they people tend to write off the prison yeah. population. Yeah. Well, it, it's not all, as you know, your brother-in-law, and and I said this in my TED talk. You know, people say, "Oh, well, you should just stay out of prison." Okay, I agree, <laughs> but do you realize how easy it is to go? I don't think that if, if you drink, if you enjoy a, a cocktail. There's a 99% chance at some point you got behind the wheel after you had one too many. One wrong, and one
2: was, wrong decision, and you're and yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're
1: at a you're at a bar with your girlfriend, and some drunk dude grabs your girlfriend's ass, and you put one on his chin, and his head hits the bar, and he dies. Yes. You know, there's so many little things that potentially could happen, you know, that could put you in prison. So I think we have to change our attitude socially towards people in prison and not write them off as, as the dregs of humanity. Now I will tell you, there I was in prison for nine and a half years. There are some dudes that in my opinion should never see the light of day. They are subhuman. I'm yeah. not trying to say that everybody in prison is a good person, but I think the overwhelming majority of people in prison is given the opportunity to get their life together. Because like, you know, I talk about it in my TED talk, when you get out of prison, you're a convicted felon. So if you want to get a job, there's a background check. And on that application, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Well, we won't hire you because you're a convicted felon. You want to go try to rent an apartment, background check. Well, we're not going to rent to you because you're a convicted felon. So you get out of prison, you want to get a job, you want a place to live, but you can't get one because you're a convicted felon. So what are you supposed to do? And the cycle continues. I think as a society, we need to change the way we think about people who go to prison and not just write them off.
2: Yeah.
3: So now, you know, right now there's so many things like, for example, you can't really say anything. Like even if you try to say something in a good way, people will attack you, attack you in all sorts of directions. Right. So it's very hard to be open about things. So I want to know for you going out there and doing this TED talk, was it difficult not only to share your personal story about things that you you might not be too proud of, but to share also the idea that of what you're saying about, you know, felons that have served their time, do deserve to vote. Both of those aspects. How did you feel putting that out there?
1: Oh, I've been very transparent about it from day one. It's it's never anything that I've shied from because uh, it's part of who I am. And I I, I don't think that I'd be the man today without, you know, going through the the, the trials and tribulations that I've gone through. Um, I've never lied about my criminal history. Um, If anything, I've tried to use myself as an example to society at large and to people who have been incarcerated. Hey, listen. Mm. <clears throat> and and something else that I, I differentiate myself from, people say, oh, well, you made a mistake. No, I, I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> I, I didn't accidentally saw a shotgun and stick it in right. somebody's face and say, give me your money. That wasn't a mistake. It was a bad decision, and I own that. I made a series of bad decisions when I was a teenager that led me to go to prison. And I think, you know, first, that's the first step. We have to own the fact that, no, I didn't make a mistake. I made a bad decision. Own that decision, be responsible for that, and then move forward. And that's what I've tried to do so that, you know, once upon a time, I, you know, I remember, and still today it happens, but, you know, walking across the street, you can hear cars, you know, the car doors locking, click, click, yeah. or, you know, walking through a, a, a parking lot, I can see a woman clutch her purse a little bit tighter, or, you know, the guy tucks his chain inside of his shirt. Okay, I get that, but the, the 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 flip side of that is well, now I'm MVP and you can watch me on the network and I've been in movies and action figures and video games so where once upon a time you wouldn't wanna socialize with me. You wouldn't want your daughter to date me. Now, oh, you want to show me off. You want to invite me over to invite all your friends over. Yeah, Yeah, it's my buddy MVP. He's in WWE. Yeah, he's a wrestler. Yeah, he's cool. Oh, yeah, you can take my daughter out for dinner. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because I've been on TV. Yeah. (laughs) But if I didn't have that, then you wouldn't regard me the same way. And, you know, going back to the original point, people who get out of prison, who, you know, beat somebody up in a bar fight, sold drugs, wrote bad checks, stole a car. Whatever the case may be, they pay their debt to society, and they want to be a part of society. And most of those people don't want to go back to prison. Most of those people don't want to engage in criminal activity. In this so whole, how do we treat them?
2: In this whole, like, you know, uh, were you convicted of a felony and, and like, all of that, and, you know, it just it keeps this cheap labor force. You know, like, if you get out of prison, that just supplies the cheap labor, you know, cheap labor, like, so, because they, they can't get a better-paying job,
1: you know? Well, I I'll, I'll, I'll do one up on that. Are you familiar with the 13th Amendment? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, slavery wasn't abolished. <laughs> I was a part of slave labor. I was in prison, yeah. where, you know, I had to work hard, and I wasn't compensated for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you are compensated in some places, whereas they'll give you, you know, time credit for time. Uh, like, and in Florida, they call it game time, or what people commonly refer to as time off for good behavior. Um, there was an issue in Florida, where I'm from.
3: They they have a
1: prison corporation called Pride, P- prison rehabilitative something developed in industry in prison rehabilitative industries and diversified enterprises, something like that. Where when I was there. And I got to do some research and see what the numbers are lately. But when I was there, you started off, if if you got a job working for pride, you started off at 10 cents an hour and the maximum you could make is 55 cents an hour. So they had a furniture factory, they had a canning, they had all of these different enterprises. Well, if you own a furniture manufacturing uh, uh, warehouse and you know, you got to pay somebody minimum wage, but these prisoners are doing the same thing for 10 cents an hour. How do you compete with that? Yeah, yeah,
2: it's insane.
1: So, prison labor. <clears throat> and then, you know, let's look at that judge. Uh, I believe it was in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, with the kids? Uh, yeah, the one yeah. who, yeah, he was uh, sending, pri- getting kickbacks to send kids to prison. Yeah. Now, fortunately, he got caught, he and he's in prison himself, yeah. but,
2: if there's one, there's always more. Oh yeah, there's got to be tons more.
1: Uh, hey, hey, yeah, man. So, hey,
2: so, hey, when, when, while you were in prison, uh, were you able to accept that? Like, and did you have that mentality while you were in prison? Hey, I did this shit. I made, you know, this wasn't a mistake. I knew what the fuck I was doing. Like, did that? And 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 if so, did that help you? The acceptance of your situation. Does that? Did that help you with the time you were serving? Yeah, I think so.
1: Because I was a kid. I was sixteen. Uh, when I committed my crime and 17 when I actually made it to prison. So I already knew that I was going to spend potentially the next decade or so behind bars. And I was fortunate that I had older convicts, you know, pull my coat and say, you're a smart kid, you know, and there's an old saying, don't serve the time, make the time serve you. Right. So, you know, I tried to take, you know, fortunately, uh, my family sent me, uh, They enrolled me at Ohio University, and I was able to take correspondence courses, paid for by my family. Um, I I read voraciously, but I accepted the fact. When I was in the county jail and I was facing life in prison, I had one count of armed robbery, 10 counts of armed kidnapping. Because if you, what I did in my case, locked someone in the closet to facilitate the robbery in the state of Florida, that's kidnapping. I didn't take anyone away or haul them for ransom. I just locked them in the closet so I could get away with the money state of Florida says that's kidnapping. So each one of those was punishable by up to life in prison. So I was 16 looking at 11 life felonies. And I, you know, I remember there were days when I I wanted to cry just the weight and the pressure. I wanted to cry my eyes out. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember I just clenched my jaw and I said, you know, nah, dude, you knew what you were doing and you knew what the potential uh, consequences were for your actions. So don't cry now. You weren't crying when you were out there wilding out. Don't be a bitch and cry now. Take this so, on the show. And so, that was always my attitude. So
2: you were able to have that mentality at 16 years old? Yeah. That, that's a life-saving mentality to have, man, in that situation. If, if you ask me, like, man.
1: Um, well, hey, I, I know I was young enough that I'd get out one day. If I didn't yeah. die in prison, if I didn't right. get killed or something, I knew that when I got out, I'd still be a relatively young man. And, you know, I would see the guys around me that had been in prison in Florida. When you go to prison, you get a number. And every time you come back, you get a letter. So it was common to see guys with A's and B's, but I would see guys with D's, E's, and F's. Mm. I saw a guy with an I. An I. Now you go count that up and see how many times that dude's been to prison. And I knew that I didn't want to be that. I knew that I, I was so much better than the circumstances that I put myself in. So I had to own my mistake, be responsible for it, and make a choice to make decisions while I was in prison that would allow me to be a better person and live a good life when I got out.
2: Hey, so I'm guessing that you stayed in county the whole time up until your trial?
1: Yeah, I never got a bond. Damn. (laughs) They didn't give me any bond for armed. And, And to be fair, you know, like I always say this, I was where I was supposed to be. Sure. People say, "Oh, but you were a kid." No, man, I was a, a rotten, terrible, fucking teenager. I was horrible. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, that was my second time. My first time, I did six and a half months in, in a, a, a level four juvenile facility for robbery and, and uh, shootout and high speed chase and all that. So, you know, I don't. You know, I tell people, don't feel sorry for me. Oh, but you—that mm-hmm. was a lot of time. You were so young. Yeah, yeah but I was an idiot. And I was doing terrible things, and I knew what I was doing was wrong, and I knew the potential consequences for what I did. So I was where I was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, some people say I got arrested. I say I may, I possibly got rescued because the way I was going, sure. I very there's a high probability that I would have been dead at mm-hmm. some point. A lot of my buddies from that time died. Yeah. I can Shootouts, re- re- high speed chases, flying through the windshield. Yeah. I
2: can relate to uh, to that that. F- that thought process of this is right where I'm supposed to be. I didn't have it at the time, uh, but looking back, like the only time I can remember ever being in jail when I shouldn't have been there was the last time I was in jail for that bullshit. At, <laughs> that, that bullshit case. at the airport, <laughs> yeah, where I didn't do yeah, shit. So yeah, uh, other, yeah every, other time, right here, every other time, every other time, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I was. That's where I should have been, and it saved my life a couple of times. So, um, yeah, anyways, but man, hey, so let me ask you this um at what at what age are you gonna have this talk with 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 your son about you know about your you know your criminal history and your you know time in prison and all that dude,
1: you know uh i <laughs> this is a touchy subject and a lot of people seem to get really upset about this, uh-huh. but it, 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 it's my reality. <clears throat> um, I remember being, a, you know, a, black people talk about parents having to have the talk
2: uh-huh.
1: with, with their kids.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, my mother, who's a, 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 a green eyed, freckle, freckle faced, red haired white woman <laughs> had to have the talk with me many years ago about playing with toy guns outside. Yeah. And, you know, uh my son, you know, he's at that age now where he's four and he likes to play with his toy guns and his samurai swords. And I've already started to talk to him about, you know, being careful when we play outside and not pointing toy guns at anybody and things like that. Um, it's, as he gets older and is able to start answering more questions and is able to, to be a little more understanding of society and how the rules work, I think I'd like to just slowly start ingraining certain things in him along the way. Yeah. And I would hope that by the time he's 11 or 12, you know, we can have a very mature conversation about decisions, you know, the criminal justice system, yeah, um, um, peer pressure, you know, all of those things. Cause you know, it, my, my descent happened quickly, you know, 13, I was just, you know, vandalizing shit, doing graffiti and hanging out. And I think I smoked a joint for the first time at 13. Mm. By 14, I was in gangs. And by 15, I was doing full-on high-speed chases and shootouts and robberies. And by 16, I was looking at life in prison. So it, it happened very quickly. And I'm hoping that my life experiences and my, you know, because, I, man, I don't even play, man. I love my son dearly, and I, I get him every week. I spend, you know, the, the share custody with his mom, but I get him three days a week. And uh, I'm hoping that my presence in his life will steer him away from a lot of that just because of my experience.
2: Absolutely. Just, I mean, regardless of, like, on top of it, that, but just just being present in his life is huge. So huge. It makes
1: all the difference in the world, man.
2: Incredible, man. I think, think I
3: honestly think the key is literally just communication, you know because you know from personal experiences there's things that you know my mom didn't want me to do or et cetera, and the thing was just communication, and this is what I hear from everybody that's you know made a mistake as a as a person and then they had a child. The number one thing they all say is communication, and I've just wow. kind of stuck with that, so I think that what what you're saying all falls in line with that,
1: so like uh- Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I'm hoping that you know because it, it was funny because you know moms and dads are very different you know and then typically on how they they take care of their kids and how they they tend to their needs and uh, I had a, a close friend of mine tell me that and your son is intimidated by you you know he's he's scared of you and I was like well. He also, you know, gives me hugs and kisses and says, daddy, I love you. And I tell him I love him multiple times a day, every day. So I I think he understands that I love him. But if he's afraid of me, I don't really have a problem with that. Because if he's about to go do some silly shit when he's older and his buddies say, hey, you know, let's do this. Uh, Don't worry, we won't get caught by the cops. I want my son to go, man, I'm not worried about the cops. I'm worried about my father. Hey, I, I would I would like for that to be in his head, you know, and, and I and like you said, communication. I want him to be able to come to me and go, Dad, I screwed up really bad, but I need to talk to you.
2: Do you really think that your child is intimidated? Though Maybe the guy's just projecting uh, his own shit onto your child. Maybe he's the one that's intimidated by you. Well, it was a she. So, oh, she. You know, sorry. That, sorry. that, that could, could be. be kills but,
1: that. Um, <laughs> Well, no, I mean, stop. Um, I, maybe. It's possible. Yeah. I, you know, but, you know, I just, when, you know, when you're, I'm, I'm 6'1", 260 pounds, and I'm standing over him, and he's yeah. 30 pounds, and, you know, to him, you know, he always says, oh, daddy, you got big muscles. You look like Hulk, daddy. <laughs> yeah, so, t- to him, I'm a monster, you know, but, I, you know, I, I like to think that in his world, I'm a lovable monster.
2: I think you're a lovable monster, Hassan. <laughs> oh,
1: Chuck. bring it in for a hug, guys. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, hey man, are you having, um, you know, let me ask you about that. Like, do you feel like any, do you carry any shame around with you when it comes to that? Like, and especially when it comes to like talking to, talking to him about that at the right time. Is that something no, that's man, go- not,
1: good? No, not shame. Shame, shame isn't the word. I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed. Um, I
2: I 'cause I know people that like were too ashamed to have that talk with their with their children about it, you know?
1: No, no, no. Especially when it comes to my son. I'm not you know, because you know, I, I, I can I can remember the shame that my mother felt having oh. to come visit me and yeah. I, my, my father was actually <laughs> Uh, a county correctional officer. So when I was in the Dade County Jail and he came in in his uniform to come see me, I can only imagine the shame that he had to feel with his colleagues coming to visit his son. So uh, I don't ever want to experience that. And I would hope that, you know, talking to my son about that, you know, and having no shame about it. Hey, yeah. Everybody makes bad decisions. It's just, yeah. you know, how bad your decision is when you make it yeah. and teenagers are notorious for making bad decisions the worst so i don't have any shame in uh, uh, about my actions but i do feel a sense of regret towards you know the the people that you know my transgressions were against Those, sure. you know, the the people well let me let me make this very clear <laughs> the innocent law-abiding people who i transgressed against i, I, I feel bad for them but the people who were in the gang life and in the robbery life who I got into it with, you know, there, they were enemy combatants. Sure. It was them or me. So yeah. there's a little difference there. Yeah,
2: understandable. Uh, hey, so um, how uh, what's going on with you in, in, in the wrestling industry these days?
1: Man, I'm over wrestling, man. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what? I, like, I'm 45 now. And I used to say that I wanted to be done when I was 45, yeah. but you know, but I can still go. You know, yeah, I, you I'm, can. I, I still, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, I haven't, you know, like so many guys who overstay their expiration date. Um, I'm not a caricature of myself yet. I can still go out there and I can put on a good 15, 20-minute match. And I've given myself to 47.
3: Mm-hmm. And...
1: You know, when I look at wrestling now, I'm looking at how wrestling's changing. And, you know, I came in with, you know, the the Attitude Era at ECW. And I remember that generation that brought me in saying, oh, look at these new guys doing all this crazy stuff. They're killing the business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. And now there's a new generation of guys coming in. And now, you know, my generation's saying the same thing. And I'm saying, no, man, everything evolves. Yes. And, you know, what wrestling is becoming, what it's turning into, uh, is, you know, I, I don't plan to evolve that way. Um, you know, I come from the old school mentality sure. of simulated combat, not scripted entertainment. So uh, I know it, it's time for me to, to make my exit relatively yeah. soon in the next year or so. And, you know, I tell people, I feel like wrestling is a marriage that I've been in for a really, really long time. Yeah, And, you know, I still love my wife. I just don't love her like i used to yeah. <laughs> you know? the, the, the the passion isn't there like it once was you know? and there are moments you know when i'm in the ring and and you know and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, Sean, when you're in the yeah. ring and you're you know and the crowd's there and, and the magic of the match and everything's flowing, and it's like looking at your wife and being like. Man, I remember why we fell in love. Wow, sure. this mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, and then when you got to get up at six a.m. to go get that flight, and you're at the airport, and you're going through TSA, and your your you're back and your knee hurts, and then you're going like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah. me,
2: here's what does it. Here's what does it for me. This is when when I go out there and I'm involved in a match that that sucks, that I feel sucked, that I feel like I didn't get my fix. You know, like I didn't get my my you know. uh shot of dope, like, I, you know, yeah. I'm using a metaphor here, you know, um, uh, from the people, like, I, f- I feel like, yeah, I want to quit, I'm done, like, okay, if if all my matches are going to be like this from now on, like, and I can't at least get that, that nice, like, natural high mm. from having a good match, like, I don't want to fucking do it anymore, you know, um, and it's getting harder and harder, man. Hey, man, not not going to, like, throw shade on, on the person because uh, he was going through some shit, man. But the last time I saw you, you had, man, you had your work cut out for you in the ring, man. At that... At, oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> mother fuck, man. I was feeling so sorry for you out there.
1: Man. Oh, man, I... I. It's it's one of those things where and I'm not gonna say his name, right? You no, know, because like you say, you don't want to throw shade in the dude. But because you know, people at one are going point, to I remember shit. I was yeah. I was I was on the ground selling, and I looked out, and you know the, the, there was like a, a a handful of guys in the first couple of rows, and they were looking at me like, "What's up, dude?" And I looked at them and like, I just shook my head. Fuck. and they go, "We feel sorry for you." So the yeah. fans even knew. Yeah, and I was like, you know, this dude was on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, like, he was on TV, and mm-hmm. wow, you know. But like you said, you know, the dude had some issues, and you know, I don't know what was going on in his world. But that was, you know, I, I like the guy. We've had plenty of cool yeah. conversations, but that was one of those moments where I just went, "Damn, this is awful." As yeah. a matter of fact, that was the last match that I had that I felt <laughs> that way about. Like,
2: that was terrible, dude. I was hurting for you, man. Because I know, because that's the worst, that's the worst, that's my worst nightmare is being out there in a situation like that, man. I got to have the people, like, come and and fire, like, you know, like, reacting when they're supposed to, and it usually, man, so yeah, like, I wouldn't blame you if that, like, I would, I might have said, fuck this, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) After.
1: No, but you can't, you can't leave on that note, you can't leave on that note, you have to have that, you know what, it, for and and you'll appreciate this and and your your fans you know of the program who are hardcore wrestling fans will understand for that match that i had with him that was just awful and it was just like uh as soon as i can get another match to wrench the taste of that match Mm -hmm. out of my mouth yeah i need that you know and for for every bad match i have like that yeah you know you'll i'll have a match for example with uh i had a match with chavo guerrero recently and and dallas for uh, world class revolution wrestling. And Chavo and I had been feuding for the title. And I, I dropped it to him a while back. And uh, he's the champ. And we asked the promoter, like, hey, you know, who do you want up in this? And he goes, I don't really care because, you know, I, I need you to be the champ in a few months. So whatever you guys want to do. And uh, Chavo and I looked at each other and I said, all right, well, let's, you know, it's Texas. So i would say chavo you go up and chavo was like nah p man you know you go up you gotta i'm like all right i tell you what let's just go out there we'll see how the crowd works and we'll call it in the ring yeah and the ref and the referee looked at us incredulously like so there's no finish you guys there's no no (laughs) just count three that's your job you just count three till somebody doesn't kick out and uh chavo and i went out there with no finish we worked and as we were working, you know, the crowd seemed to be more behind Chavo. And, and, and at that point, you know, yeah. when it came down, all right, let's take it home. Chavo hit the, hit, the, hit the flash. I'm not kicking out. Call it. You know, one, two, three. Boom. Nice. That's when, you know, it all comes together. We didn't even talk about what we were going to do beforehand, yeah. except that uh, if I kick out, feet up, you know, for me to kick you in the face. And if I don't kick out, you know, just hook it one, two, three. That's the night. Those are those matches that that give you that redemption that you need. Sure. But then I have a
2: match like that and it makes me want to keep on wrestling. So I'm like Exactly. Oh,
1: fuck.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, you you know, I can still do this. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Well so. speaking of that, do you have any big grand plans for your exit to the wrestling business, or are you just taking one booking at a time?
1: Um, well, I don't have any grand plans for my specific exit you know we'll see what happens between now and then but i know that post wrestling uh the two things that i most want to do is i want to go into the uh, motivational speaking circuit i want to become a, uh, a a paid speaker because one thing i can do is run my mouth i'm pretty good at that <laughs> and if i can get paid to talk and not fall down i'll take that any day um and ultimately i want to open up a bar I really, for the longest time, I've wanted to open up a, a, a little neighborhood tavern, maybe 100, 150 people, nothing too big, and not a wrestling bar, but a bar <laughs> yeah. owned by a wrestler. Yeah. A little bit of memorabilia, but just a cool place to go drink, you know, a little live music, some karaoke, nice whiskey selection, maybe uh Monday night raw parties, you know, something like that, and, uh, and man, at that point, I just wanted, you know, continue to do jujitsu, be a dad and, and drift off into the sunset. I mean, I got a few other things I'm working on, but I don't, you know, I don't like to talk about it because, you know, you talk about things and you kind of jinx them sometimes. But as far as my, my grand exit, I, I don't have anything planned yet, but I figure when I know that I'm going to pull the trigger and it's official and I'm ready, I know this is my last tour, then I think I'll put it out there and be like, hey, this is the MVP farewell tour. <laughs> Book me now because this is it. I'm leaving. And then, um, you know, maybe I'll be able to work out a program with, uh, with you know, one of the companies that, that, that I like and do something where I can, as, as the saying goes, go out on my back for some young guy and then help build him up and, you know, give back to the business yeah. the way so many guys gave to me.
2: Yeah. Hey, man, you know what, I, I, this, I probably should have asked you this a couple of minutes ago, but, I, you know, because you're talking about, you know, and, and and just that you come from the school of, you know, just a simulated combat, and, you know, on that, was was there any interest of doing that, you know, Josh Barnett blood sport or anything like that? Because I know um, you're, a, you're, you're a Brazilian yeah. jiu-jitsu player, like, like you won championships, yeah
1: yeah i've, I've won a, a few i'm still i'm still that ibjjf world championship is still eluding me man I've, I've been a couple times and i've come up short but yeah i've, I've won a number of uh, ibjjf tournaments and some naga tournaments and uh-huh. I've, I've got some gold medals in that so yeah as iron Sheik would say i'm shooter man <laughs> but uh for the blood sport josh barnett did reach out to me um but full disclosure the uh, the blood sport before that, uh, I was reached out. Uh, Homicide, I think, was running that one. And he reached out to me. And um, you know how wrestling goes. There was some some fuckery behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and just things didn't go well with the promoter. So my guess is when Josh reached out to me, he didn't... I guess maybe he didn't know that uh, there was already some... Gotcha. Uh, issues with the promoters yeah, behind okay. the scene, and Josh probably said, "Hey, let's bring in MVP." And that guy goes, "No, I don't like him. He was mean to me.
2: He <laughs> <laughs> hurt my feelings."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he told me some shit that I didn't like, and it hurt my feelings.
2: So. <laughs> oh shit! All right, hey, is that everything we? Get? I think we're yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I really appreciate you uh, coming on last minute, man.
1: Every I always tell my guests last minute. let me minute. let me let me pump this. This is yeah. something pretty important. uh on the way out vice channel. Have you seen that, uh, that, that show that they've been doing, uh, the dark side of the I ring. Have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, uh, apparently vice seems to really like the wrestling business now. And, uh, I guess that first season of the uh, dark side of the ring is coming to a close. Yeah. And on May 22nd, a new show in that time slot is going to debut. And it's called the wrestlers. And, uh, The second episode features me, but uh, a good friend of mine, a guy who is a a huge fan and uh, a major, major wrestling fan, Damian Abraham, he's the host. And he went around the world. He went to uh, 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 Kinshasa, Congo. Uh Uh, He went to South America, to Mexico, Japan, to show wrestling and, and, and how it's, treated and revered at different cultures all around the world. Um, you know, we're familiar with our American wrestling, but there are so many other aspects of wrestling in other countries and how they've adapted it to their culture. And it's an absolutely phenomenal series. I've been fortunate that I've been able to see a few episodes uh, way in advance, but it debuts May 22nd. And if you are a wrestling fan, I highly highly recommend that you yeah. tune in to Vice Channel, The Wrestlers. Debuts May twenty second. Check it out. I promise you that you will be both educated and entertained.
2: Well they've done just a, a fantastic job on these um these Dark Side of the Ring episodes, man. And <laughs> and man, I I Oh, man, it's it, it's exhausting to watch some of those, though, man. I'm not going to lie, man, because, you know, I mean, they're dark It's stories. emotionally yes. exhausting,
1: right? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, it's draining, man, especially because we're talking about some people we know, you know, and it's just... Right. So,
1: wow. Right, but, yeah. yeah. But, so that's a tough one. But um, Vice, as you said, they did a great job with the dark side of the ring, and like uh, the, the second episode in The Wrestlers features me. So I got to meet the production crew and uh, Damian Abraham, like I said, he's a good friend of mine. And I knew that he would, you know, you just some people don't depict the wrestling business very well. Not that it doesn't have some hideous warts and blemishes, but yeah. uh, I knew that in his hands, it would be very safe because he loves it. and He's a fan. And uh, I, if, if you like the dark side of the ring, uh, you will love the wrestlers. Uh, nice. I give it two thumbs up in honor of uh, Cisco and Ebert. Sweet. All right. So May 22nd, Vice Channel. You guys check that out. And uh, I am on Twitter at the305MVP. I'm on Instagram at truly underscore MVP. And, uh, you know, follow me or, or don't. You know, what doesn't about, matter. I don't care. What about Pro Wrestling
2: Tees? You got merch? Merch? Pro Wrestling Tees? Anything like that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I got
2: a Pro Wrestling Tees store.
1: Yeah, I got a Pro Wrestling Tees store if you, if you like... Uh, if you like me and I, I, all of my money from pro wrestling, Tees, I use that to buy Avengers merch for my son. So, <laughs> I hey, that to, was to a great Avenger fun.
2: That was a great picture of you two outside in front of the big cardboard uh, Avengers sign, dude. That was sweet.
1: Oh man, he he is Avengers fan number one. You know what? That, let me let me say this too because I don't want to carry too long. Don't worry. that was amazing to me. Um. You see what my son looks like. Yeah. You know, he's the miniature version of me, but his, his mother's Asian. So he's got that really cool curly hair and those beautifully expressive almond shaped eyes. <clears throat> I took him to see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And, and he knows, he knows that the Hulk is Bruce Banner. Uh-huh. and that's Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Like he knows everybody, but he didn't know about Miles Morales. And most people aren't into comics they don't know that there is a new Uh fireman it's a you know it's an alternate universe but spider-man is half black half puerto rican his name is miles morales kid arachnid yeah and his origin story is similar but something that blew me away and uh it it, it just it, it resonated while we were watching my son, who at the time, I don't think he was four yet. I think he was still, or maybe he was yeah, yeah, I think he was four. He looks at me and says, Daddy, I want to be black Spider-Man. And I thought, because Miles Morales <laughs> wears a black and red Spider-Man outfit, yeah. I, at first, that's what I thought. You know, like, oh, yeah, not blue Spider-Man, you know, black. Then he said, Daddy, he looks like me. He All looks right. like me. I want to be him. He looks like me. And it dawned on me, like, oh, shit. Yeah, you do look like Miles Morales or, you know, so the importance of, of having role models that you can immediately relate to, you know, and, and right now in our society, sadly, there's this huge issue of, of, of race and this rift. And I remember when Black Panther came out, there were a lot of people that were, oh, you know, what's the big deal about it? You know, you guys had, you already had Blade and, you know, so what? No, you don't understand. Growing up, I remember the first time I saw Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Yeah. I went, oh, shit. I want to be like them because when we went outside to play wrestling, I was always dusty Rhodes, I was, you know, Ric Flair or something like that. But to see somebody that looked like me, I went, Oh yeah, I want to be like them. And then to, to see my four-year-old son who I've never had a conversation with race or, or any of the social issues that plague us today, yeah. just to see him see a superhero that looks like him that he can relate to that it was absolutely huge, and with uh, and I'm bringing this all together with Kofi mm. winning the WWF champ- the WWE championship, the company title. Yeah. that was huge because you know, you, you had Booker T and Mark Henry won the world title, but no one that looks like Kofi had ever held the WWE title before. Yeah. And you know, you have people that say, "Oh, why make it about race?" Because it is, yes. in this case someone, you know, you have a literal African-American holding the WWE championship for the first time. So there are kids who for years have loved WWE, but all the guys that held the title, you know, there's a whole segment of WWE fans that know, you know, there was no one that looked like them. And And it was pretty cool that that's finally happened and that, you know, the the importance of that, you know, just giving kids role models that they could immediately relate to.
2: Yeah, and thinking about, like, Okay, the demographic demographic of the of the crowd actually, like, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just the the, the black uh, people in, in the crowd that were going ape shit over this. It was everyone, you know. No, no I don't, I'm not taking for that. Everybody, like, coffee yeah. is
3: that. No, dude. I'm just saying have,
2: that's people. a beautiful thing about it. Yeah, of course, and 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 I'm just. It's like it can be. It can be about. Race and still everyone can be behind it.
3: Best match of the night, you know. Absolutely, that should have been the main
1: event. (laughs) I know people would get mad about that, but there's no question in my mind. Well, I mean, that should have been the main event.
2: It had the most. It had the most sustained heat of any match on the show. And and obviously, like people go, okay, well, the main event was on so late, like the people were dead or whatever. So like, you know. uh, But yeah, to me, that was the the one that actually had the most uh, emotion behind it. But, but no, pressure. nothing. nothing the, the, comes the, close. the
1: emotional investment in yes. that match, and, yeah. And I I, dude, I have nothing but praise for Kofi. Like I said, we were in developmental together, and here's a dude that was a stand-up dude from day one. Yeah. You know, when the boys, when there was the peer pressure, come on, let's go out and drink, let's go. out And Kofi say, like, I'm not really about that. You know, yeah, I have, a, I'll have a beer in here, but I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get trashed. I'll hang out. He mm-hmm. was always his own man. Always had a cool head. He's a great father. He's a great husband. He's a genuinely good dude. You never have to worry about him being face down in his place of yeah. catering. <laughs> You're yeah. never going to have to worry about him getting pulled over and caught with something in his car that he shouldn't have. Like, yeah. As far as a representative of the company, this dude has no, no drawbacks, no negative yeah. marks. And when he gets in the ring, he performs and delivers every single time so i am on a personal level because kofi's always been like a little brother to me i am so thrilled to see a guy of his caliber or his 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 nature his moral fabric and his ability get an opportunity to hold that title and be the face of the company it's a yeah. beautiful thing
2: yeah man. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, all right let's you want to yeah. get all right, let's get out All of here. All right, I'm out. <laughs> but I'm with you a 1,000% on, on Kofi, man. That was that was amazing. And hey, oh, I know. I was having a fucking brain fart there for a okay. second. This is what I was going to say. Did you hear the shit that superstar Billy Graham said?
1: About, uh, I didn't hear it directly, but I heard about
2: it. Well, you know, about, oh, Kofi should take steroids and this and that. It's a different day and time. Look, I get what? it from 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 his perspective. Yeah, a world champion is supposed to be all fucking jacked up, and it's <laughs> 2019, superstar. I love you, but hey, man, that's not the way it works now. Uh, that's just how I feel. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, no, no. You know what? Here it is, man. Because it, I remember when uh 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 man oh when there was the controversy about CM Punk and Brian Daniels being champions. Yeah. And, you know, there were some of the old school guys that were, you know, they're, they're still, their mindset is still you know, yeah. in the land of the giants, yeah. being larger than life. And I get that. But who were the biggest box office draws in, in, in fighting sports today? Not the heavyweights.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, Conor McGregor is one of the biggest names in the world, and he's a little guy. You know, tell tell me that you know Floyd Mayweather isn't yeah. the biggest box office draw in boxing. You know, Mayweather against Pacquiao was the match that everybody yeah. wanted to see forever and ever. Mayweather yeah. just fought Conor McGregor in a boxing match, and and that brought in stupid money. There are no heavyweights in and and actual combat sports drawing those kind of audiences, right. drawing that kind of money. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's. Archaic thinking—that's that's, yeah. that's a, a thing of the past. In and, and this day and age, it all depends on the person.
3: Yeah, if
1: there's something about them that draws the people to them, and their their talent, their ability, you know. In UFC, I don't think that the heavyweights outdraw the the, the smaller guys. No, and but we we know this for sure in boxing. So as far as pay per view buy rates, you know, it's it's a different time. It's a different era, and and I'm cool with that. Yeah.
2: I just, I don't know why I felt like bringing that up, but just because we were talking about Kofi, and I just think, you know, uh, and I I just, it makes me think that, you know, like, a lot of guys from the past are asked their take on things, and man, can we not, can we quit asking, like, guys that are really old their take on current events, man, because, I mean, sometimes it just, I just, I just assume, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I just don't, (laughs) but they're going to say that about me someday, Maybe already, so... Yeah. Well, you know what?
1: Here, everything evolves. And here's yeah. the conclusion that I came to recently. When you and I came up, you know, we came up as little kids when wrestling was still, quote on, you know, air quotes, real. Yeah. And, you know, along the way, you know, when, when Vince wanted to stop paying, you know, the, the, the bribery fees to the athletic commission, the extortion, he said, okay, it's not real, we admit it, it's sports entertainment. He coined that phrase. So... This generation that, that's coming up now, that's wrestling now, they didn't grow up with kayfabe. Right. They didn't grow up with This Is Real. They grew up with This Is, you know, scripted entertainment. So where you and I were, you know, to an extent, simulating combat, and okay, yeah, no no one's doing moonsaults off the top turnbuckle and pride, right. but the, the approach was different. These kids are growing up thinking wrestling in terms of comic books and superheroes. So it's a completely different mindset in, in the approach to pro wrestling. And that's why, you know, you'll see these guys do these amazing aerial crash and burn moves and then pop right up and yeah. do onto the next. Well, we say, whoa, sell it, let that breathe.
2: Yep.
1: Well, when Hulk throws Thor into a building and the bu- building collapses on top of him, Thor just shakes that shit off and it gets back up and they keep going, yeah. right? So I think that's the mentality that kids... This generation has versus our generation, and you know sometimes I argue with some of these older guys who have that archaic thinking. Oh, they're killing the business. Oh, they're doing it wrong. Joey Ryan's doing Dick Flips. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm not necessarily a fan of it, right. but I was there watching people pay thirty dollars to take a take a picture holding Joey Ryan's jump. Yeah, <laughs> and it, and if people are buying tickets to see it. How can you say they're doing it wrong? Yeah. All the guys that criticize the Young Bucks, oh, they're doing it. I, I, for the longest time, I've said, I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks style of wrestling, but I'm a fan of the Young Bucks because here are two guys that made their own lane. Yep. And they're the hottest act in the business. They've never been on TV for Vince, but they make more money than some of the guys you see on TV every week for Vince. Oh, yeah. And they did it their way. And you got these dinosaurs you say, oh, these kids are killing the business. They're doing it
2: wrong. They're not killing the business. They just started their own freaking company. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of, us, a lot of us are the ones that fucking killed the business. <laughs> but there
0: were, there were old timers saying this about Ric Flair and Steamboat. At that time, we're like, oh, they're killing the business. Yeah. Well, I, don't, just, like, I didn't, didn't mean a lot hours. of us
2: killed the business, but we sucked it until it was dry, and then left when there was nothing, you know, <laughs> when there was no more to take. <laughs> so yeah,
1: all right, man. So, you know, I, I'm with you on that, man. Yeah. Just, you know, like, I, I can understand the old perspective, but if you don't evolve, yeah, you go extinct.
2: Yep. Hey, man, so I guess we really do have to go now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, man, All right. it was a pleasure. Always. Anything All right, man. Sean. All right, I hope
2: you. to see you soon, man. All right, MVP, oh, everyone. You, <laughs> All right, so we went a little long.
0: Yes. It, was, it was worth it, though. Yeah.
2: He's a
3: great talker. I feel like we yeah. should have him on regularly yeah. for these topics. So,
2: yeah. All right, you know, and... Um, you know, we don't usually delve into stuff that might be kind of politically polarizing, but that's important stuff. You know, and like mm. for those that don't like to, you know, you know, I, I appreciate anyone that that doesn't usually like to hear that stuff. I appreciate in, you indulging us because it's important stuff.
0: Also, I would argue everything was from him as a primary source. Like nothing yeah. was, nothing was newsy so, or political yeah. in that sense. I, I we, an interview with MVP. That's the that's yeah. what you get.
2: And uh, we, anyways. Um, you follow me at The Real X Pac on Twitter, at Real X Pac on Instagram. Um, you can right, finish right. it. Check <laughs> out the show Twitter
3: at X Pac 12360 Show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for news, updates, video clips, exclusives. You guys know the drill. As for myself, on May 25th in Las Vegas, I will be hosting Suburban Fight after Double or Nothing. So make sure to check that out as well. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at underscore Denise Salcedo. And make sure to check me out on youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo.
0: I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kauffman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in a lot of pro wrestlers' YouTube pages, including this one, youtube.com slash Also, patreon.com slash 83weeks. I host an hour a week with Eric Bischoff. I can't guarantee which of it actually winds up on his YouTube page and which of it stays on Patreon forever. The only way to see it and like it is to subscribe to his Patreon.
2: All right, cool. Well, we're out of here. We'll see you right here next week. On XPOC 12360 from After Buzz TV Studios. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro,
0: Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire XPOC 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow XPOC on Twitter at The Real X-Pac and email us at XPOC 12360Show at gmail.com.